If your characters keep dying, then you just might be playing it wrong. Welcome to Playing It Wrong. Podcasts about RPGs, fun, food, more RPGs. Grab your dice, sit back, and get ready to play it wrong. Oh, and hello, and welcome to episode 5 of Playing It Wrong. This is another fun-filled episode that we're going to talk about lots of stuff, and I'm going to ramble about lots of stuff, but hey, let's get on to the big stuff first. It's time for the news. So what's the big gaming news that I want to ramble on about? Well, guess what? I'm recording this on the 26th of January, and the scheduled date for the start of the Kickstarter for the new Swords and Wizardry box set is the 28th. That's right, this Tuesday is when that whole Kickstarter, well, kicks off, so to speak. Well, what do I know about this? Well, what here's what I do know. One, it is not a new edition. Let's call it a new printing. Um, I'm going to have a little video coming out pretty soon um, on the YouTube channel, but it's still Swords and Wizardry Complete, just going to be reorganized, some minor editing, and put into three or four books. I'm not sure how many, but put into more digest-sized books, into the box set, which is much easier to use at my table, and well, your table, anybody's table, than just the one one book, because that way you can just pass it around and have one book. Um, there's going to be, it's going to be a box that's big enough to put in extra books that will come out later on in the year. I do not know what the pledge levels are going to be. I do know that there's going to be a collector's edition available as well. I think it's going to be a limited print run of those. And I also know that there's going to be a special benefit or discount for backers on the first day. That is first day backers. So if you back it on Tuesday the 28th, you're going to get a little discount. The way they're going to do this is there's going to be not that many add-ons. Add-ons will primarily be digital, but there will be an add-on pack that I'm not sure what all is going to be in it. But hey, I think it will have like the DM screen, maybe some dice, maybe some character sheets. Who knows? But there's going to be an add-on pack, as well as the basic ma- the basic uh, game itself. So, not going to be lots of add-ons that are going to be, or lots of stretch goals that's going to add weight and kind of screw the thing up. That's happened on so many Kickstarters. I foolishly did not ask what the fulfillment schedule is, but Frog God Games has done enough of these Kickstarters. They should have their stuff together, and that should go fairly smoothly. And they... Basically, I have the game already written, and um, they've also thrown out some previews of the artwork for the covers, which look freaking fantastic. If you're like a fan of some of the older Conan covers, like the Frozetta covers, the style reminds me very much of like that. That's Or the Savage Sword of Conan. The, those covers remind me a lot of that, and that, that really speaks to me, and that's the kind of game. I like the pulpy sword and sorcery type uh, game rather than uh, let's go throw a ring in a volcano. But with that being said, let's get on with the rest of the show. So back that Kickstarter, look out for it. I'm going to be blogging about it. Lots of people are going to be blogging about it. Um, you can follow the Frog God Games on Facebook. Hey, if you follow Tankar's Tavern, you'll hear about it too. It's going to be all over the internet on Tuesday. So this is a little heads up. Look out for it. I'm going to be a backer. Lots of other people are going to be a backer. I'm excited about it. 
and it almost seems like it's it's the revitalization of, of swords and wizardry because in my opinion it's kind of waned over the last few years i mean there was the, the big swords and wizardry appreciation days back in the days of google plus and i think there was one last year but i totally missed it because i guess i was just following the wrong people in the wrong blog so um I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this, and I'm looking forward to it as a revitalization of, of the whole Swords of Wizardry game, which I just love that game. It's my favorite retro clone. I've blogged about that numerous times. I put it on the little YouTube video that's coming up. So, yeah, it's my favorite. Uh, Ascending Armor Class, single save, makes it so easy to run, to play, to teach, which makes it fun. And, yes, I am running a game, so which I guess what that's going to move us on to... Session Summary. All right, we had our last full episode, or I should say, session of the Blight campaign I'm running with Swords and Wizardry. Uh, the first session was very short. It's kind of as a half session because uh, it was character generation, a little background. It wasn't really, I wouldn't count it as a session zero. It was more of a character gen and let's get started with the adventure type session with the time that was remaining. But last week was the full session. And I don't want to do any spoilers so because I want you to buy the thing. Um, and I have no financial interest, but it's cool. But I don't want to do spoilers for anyone who might be playing in the future. So they they are working through the levy, which is um, the adventure path that is within the campaign setting. They have pretty much determined, well, the first half session, the general party consensus is, let's burn this frickin' town to the ground because this place is literally a blight. This session, they actually started to take, uh, sort of warm up some of the NPCs. They totally hate the Grast family, so you have to look in there to see who they are. Like I said, no spoilers, sorry. I know it's going to be vague, but they totally hate these guys now. They're off getting ready to uh, murder a member, and um, they've picked up a couple of NPCs. One of which I expected them to kind of like, which is Long Lucy, a halfling magic user thief. Oh, and speaking of characters, we had a new player join. He is Steve, the half-orc paladin. Yes, I know, I know, I know. I'm doing the, yeah, go ahead, whatever race, whatever class. And if you look over at the blog and the house rules, I changed paladins a lot. They're not so much these virtuous knights in shining armor. They're more like crazy witch hunters. But anyway, yes, Steve the Half-Orc Paladin, who is also, by the way, dumb as a rock. But anyway, they picked up Long Lucy as a friend, who is a halfling magic user thief. So they, they got her. And oddly enough, in the Pound of Flesh section, there's a flesh golem called the Gorgon. You can look it up if you've got the book, but basically it's pretty much this abomination. It's a flesh golem. It's a custom flesh golem, which is like really kind of freaking like... But who to thunk the druid would befriend the damn thing? So they've got the Gorgon with them as they're getting ready to uh, put a hit out on Amos Grast. So that was what happened last week in the session. Um, well, a few characters dropped, but no one died because we're using the 5e death save rule. Thank you, Ben Barsh from the Frog God Games YouTube channel who suggested using that in Swords and Wizardry because it seems to work quite well. And it kills characters, too, because don't say it doesn't, because I've just had two die in our uh, 5e game, which was the little bumper at the intro of, yeah, I must be playing it wrong. And speaking of which, uh, this Thursday, that's when I game, is Thursday nights. We're going, it's the 5e week, so I have a chance to bring back, well, Cleric died, Druid died, so fuck it, I'm going to be back, going back to Bard. 
and the DM has like graciously allowed to pretty much use anything with approval from DM's guild, and <clears throat> so I'm actually a bard lock, and well, there's some good synergy there, so I'm also doing a wanty, so lots of good synergy there. Yes, I know it sounds power gaming, and it's not old school, but hey. Have fun. Roll dice, have fun. That's the whole thing. All right, enough about what's happening in gaming right now. Um, what else do we have going up? You know, I have not mentioned food a long time in the blog, and I, even though I put it in the intro of this about RPGs, food, and fun. Um, so the two big fun food things of we made pastrami at the house, so I made pastrami, yay! And also the neighbor was so much gracious as like, do you want my old smoker? Like, this is Texas. This is when my voice is shot because of freaking allergies. <clears throat> But it's like, hey, do you want this old smoker of mine? And, well, hells yes. Never throw away a smoker. I mean, we call ours R2-D2, even though it's red, but it's kind of R2-D2 shaped. But anyway, yes, new smoker. It's probably going to work better. It's a propane smoker, so we're probably going to end up doing some cold smoking in that. And if you don't know what that is, look it up on the internet. All right, where are we? Oh, yes, we have done the session summary. We have done the news. We've done what's going on in gaming. We've talked about food. It's time to talk about what's in this episode. Yay, we're going to get off to something that's in this episode. And it's time to go giddy up! Because you know what? I've started listening to the Ain't Slayed Nobody podcast, which is basically, well, not basically, it is an actual play of Down Darker Trails, which is a Western version of Call of Cthulhu. Then for some reason last week, I don't know, there were like three or four posts about Western RPGs. And last night I spent reading Mark Hunt's Tall Tales, which is his um, Old West take using the BX rules. And so, yeah, I got me a hankering again to work on a Wild West game. But now I've kind of, like I said in one early uh, podcast of... What's the best campaign, the next one? Because I have that real problem of I start a campaign and I already start thinking about the next one. So, you know, something else shiny might come up in the meantime. But right now, I'm really thinking about Old West horror, supernatural, Call of Cthulhu. But I'm kind of still in that search for just the right system. And I've done some thinking. There's lots of good bits and pieces for different games. But to get exactly what I want, I'm going to have to kit bash. So I'm basically going to be writing the whole game. Not really writing the whole game, because, you know, that's one good thing about the old school thing, is if there ain't a game you don't... You, and this is what you get with these unscripted podcasts. You get me, like, following up on it. If there isn't the game you want, then the tools are there to make the game you want. And it's not that hard. If you're using it for your own house rules... It's not that hard. It takes a little effort, more effort to put something at least semi-presentable on drive-through, but still, I don't think it's that hard. Because hell, I've even done it. So right now, that's the kind of the, the shiny, the shiny in my box is thinking about a supernatural, not quite as crazy as Deadlands, definitely not steampunkish, more along the lines of down darker trails, but not quite as deadly as Call of Cthulhu. Well, well, look at this way. I want the mortal-to-mortal combat to be a little pulpy and cinematic, but when they go against a monster, I want them like going, oh shit, it's a monster, we're going to die. Which is kind of a hard balance to hit. 
but I'm going to try to put something together for that. So that's that's going to be kind of my gaming project when I'm not prepping for the Blight sessions. And that's my thought. Or if you've got thoughts about other other like um, West, old West RPGs or systems might work for this. Now, I already thought of Savage Worlds, so don't even say that. I haven't thought of Mini 6 or just running with a basic role-playing slash Call of Cthulhu. But I'd probably use 2nd Edition because it's the one I've got. I've played the 7th. I don't want a damn flow chart to figure out if I'm dead or not. You're freaking dead. Get over it. And I was, like I said, in several times, I was kind of disappointed in the new rune quest, which was like four times as long as my old rune quest that has half the gameable content. So, yeah. Still a robust system. But I will think of something. I will play around. Stay tuned to the blog. I'll be throwing blog stuff on the blog there about that. And because I don't want to turn this into a total ramble cast... I think it's time to move on to that section of the show that we know as Tales of Ancient Forbidden Knowledge. And in case you don't know, this is a section of our show where I read through original D&D books and make random comments about the things I read. This is totally improv, so sometimes it can be boring, sometimes it can be interesting, and sometimes it makes absolutely no sense. Just like original D&D. And in this episode, we have finally moved beyond the original three books. We have completed Supplement 1, Greyhawk, last week. That means this week we start with Supplement 2, Blackmore, by Dave Arneset, dedicated to Hugh Cantrell, with special thanks to Gary Gygax, Tim Cass, Rob Koontz, and Steve Marge for their suggestions and ideas, and was edited by the one and actually Tim Casks. <coughs> and on the bottom of the page, in case you want to know, inquiries regarding rules should be accompanied by a self-addressed stamped envelope and sent to TSR Rules at P.O. Box 756 Lake Geneva, blah, blah, blah. People don't know what a self-addressed stand envelope is. But anyway, we start off with a forward by the man himself, Mr. Garrett Gygax, TSR Games Editor, Lake Geneva. Caution, this is the second supplement to the highly addictive game, Dungeons & Dragons. Handle at your own risk. Even a brief perusal can infect the reader with the desire to do heroic deeds and cast mighty spells and seek to wrest treasure from hideous monsters. The most insidious factor, however is the secondary nature of this work. Any reader who becomes infected from this work will immediately develop a craving for the other parts, i.e. Dungeons & Greyhawks. Dungeons & Greyhawks. So, and in case you may know, I really suck at reading out loud. Dungeons & Dragons, Greyhawk Supplement 1, Chainmail, Polyhedral Dice, and various and sundry other items. Anyone so completely exposed will certainly be hopelessly lost. In short, if you are not already an addict of fantasy adventure, put this booklet down and flee. And it talks about the material assessment. Yes, general readers, Dave Arneson is a real, real person. But let's let's kind of skip down towards the the bottom of this forward, and when it talks a little more about Blackmore. Herein, you will get a taste of these, but he never reveals all. The writer always looks forward with great anticipation to an adventure in Black in the Blackmore campaign. For despite the fact that I co-authored the original work with Dave, and he spent hundreds of hours creating and playing Dungeons and Dragons. It is always a fresh challenge to enter his world. I cannot recommend him more highly than simply saying that I would rather play in his campaign than any other. The other Dungeon Masters who emulate Dave Arneson will indeed improve their games. While eagerly anticipating yet more material from Dread Castle, Blackmore Castle, the following pages should satisfy your immediate craving for new ideas. Those of you totally committed for a fantasy adventure game may expect additional supplements from time to time. And isn't that dark shape crouched over the desk of a blackened oak laughing fiendishly as glowing rooms flow from his quill remarkably similar to Arneson? I guess that was a compliment. 
Anyway, let's get on with the book. Let's see where we start off. Like in any old game, we start off with the most important thing, Men and Magic, which is, of course, is character additions. And guess what? This is the book where we get two new character classes. And they are, of course, the Monk, Order of Monastic Martial Arts, a subclass of Clerics, which also combines the general attributes of the Thief and the Fighting Man, and Assassins, a subclass of Thieves. So... Let's talk about clerics. Clerics with a wisdom score of not less than 15, who also have a strength score of not less than 12, and a dexterity score of not less than 15, may elect to become monks. That's right, you need a high wisdom, high strength, and high desks. Only humans become monks. It's, remember, human races, because humans needed something. Members of the order seek both physical and mental superiority in, religious, in a religious atmosphere. Um, <clears throat> any alignment, although they're usually lawful, Monks must treat treasure, as do paladins, as in giving stuff away. Although they may use absolutely no armor, they may use weapons of any sort whatsoever, and when using weapons, they add damage bonus equal to one-half point for each level they have attained. It's another way of saying of one point for two levels. Uh, I don't know why they say backwards stuff like that. <clears throat> so, yeah, so add half your level to damage. Fine without any weapons... Monks gain two great bonuses. Any score five above the minimum required to hit, there is a 75% chance of stunning an opponent for three to 12 turns. Remember, a turn's 10 minutes, so up to two hours. And a 25% chance of killing the opponent. That's right, you hit well, you just might kill them. Plain and simple. Two, damage otherwise done is determined on a special table. See the table. Um, monks at higher levels make multiple attacks during a melee round. Monks also have other abilities of a specialized nature. What are their special abilities? Surprise at third level, monks are surprised only in 1 in 6, 5th, 1 in 8, 7th, 1 in 10. However, extremely silent creatures will double surprise possibilities. Opening locks as a halfling thief. Remove traps as a dwarven thief. Listening. Uh, same as a thief. Climbing as thieves the corresponding level. <coughs> Excuse me. Again. Texas allergies. Ah, at fifth level, monks may fall up to 20 feet without sustaining any damage if there's a wall or a similar surface. I don't know why I did that. I just felt like it. Eighth level, they can fall 40 feet. Eleventh level, you know, whatever. Move silently, hide in shadow. Same as halfling thieves. However, move silently. Same as thieves. I, that was another type of other abilities. They can talk to animals. They can talk to plants. Um, they can simulate death. They um, can control their minds such that EXP, EXP, ESP does not affect them. Seventh level, they can heal themselves. Um, immune to suggestion and hypnosis. At tenth level, they have an 18 intelligence in regard to the effects of telepathy against them. They are no longer subject to quests and geese. At 13th level, you get the quivering palm usable once per week. You hit them and you can kill them later. That's basically what it is. Saving throws, same as clerics, with the following important exceptions on the saving throws. Monk's hits may be damaged if a monk makes a saving throw against death ray or poison and magic missiles of any sort may be dodged if a saving throw versus... Bells and staves is made. So I think that is a poorly worded sentence. 
So they can dodge normal missiles with one save, or they can dodge magic missiles with another. Um, all attacks involve saving throws have no effect upon the monk if he makes the saving throw. And at 8th level, saving throws made, they still take half, which is sort of, you know, kind of the crazy stuff that got thieves in 3rd edition. When else do monks get magic? Monks have no magic abilities per se. Besides magical weaponry, monks may only use rings and those miscellaneous magical items usable by thieves, even though they're a cleric subclass. Potion scrolls may not be used. That's a weird one. Potions may not be used. I think that was the kind of thing they're going for purity of body, and the potion would just F up the purity of body. Armor. They wear no armor. Their physical training enables them to ward off and otherwise avoid many attacks, gaining protection similar to armor. Check the chart. Okay. Followers. They have uh, never have followers or hirelings until they reach 6th level. Thereafter, they have a number of followers, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. So, thieves. Under special, this is for the, we're going to talk about assassins. Okay, so thieves under special circumstances, the possible to lock character to be assassins. Only humans can be assassins. Assassins are always neutral, and that's a big change because it kind of became assassins are evil. In this one, assassins are neutral; they don't care. Uh, the primary sort of assassin is dexterity and strength and intelligence. All need to be above twelve. You're all part of a guild. Just that's kind of an old DNC thing. Everybody's part of a guild. Um, they serve thieves, although their ability is to excuse me, thief abilities of a thief two levels lower. They did that a lot in old D D. Kind of like balanced out your characters. Okay. Um, what else we got? Leather armor. They may use shields as well as any weapon they choose, including any magic weapon. Assassins have no followers until they guild master. Blah 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 blah. Magic. They function as thieves. Regards to magic items. Disguise. Assassins are masters of disguise. A whole percentage chance. Languages. You get an additional language if your intelligence is 16 or better. And they can do alignment languages, which were always freaking stupid, but anyway. Poison. You can freely use poison weapons. Um, what else we got for assassins? Cost. It's got a whole thing with costs and assassins. Who cares? Experience, experience gain, the normal way, Guildmaster, blah, blah, blah. And then they've got the whole things about the experience levels first. Because remember in old D&D, everybody had a different experience progression chart. And this episode's going long, but I'm going to finish Monks and Assassins. Now we get into some extra notes about Monks, which I don't know why this was, was it with the rest of the Monks, but we've got this one. The order for Monks is structured in such a way that there's only one man at each level above sixth. At such a time as a 6th level character gains sufficient experience to rank a 7th, he temporarily gains the appropriate attributes. He must then seek out the Grandmaster of Dragons and defeat him in a fair fight. There will always be a higher level to fight it if there is no player character in the role. Fights are not always to the death unless different alignments evolve. Magic may be used. Loser will, uh, will be automatically dropped to the exact number of experience points necessary to have attained the level immediately below which that was in questions. I.e., the loser of the struggle for 7th level will drop 50,000 experience points. Members of the Order will always know where to find the next higher member, although that person may not be may be a great distance away from the location of the challenger. The fight may take place as soon as possible. Treat us a guess. There is no level above 16th. So, so you have Grandmaster, Grandmaster of Dragons, Grandmaster of Northwind, Grandmaster of Westwind, Southwind, Eastwind, Winter, Summer, Spring, Fall, and the highest one is Grandmaster of Flowers. 
However, kind of think about it. So since they can be any alignment, so you could have a chaotic, which is sort of evil, Grandmaster of Flowers. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Prime Assassin. Well, that's okay. Assassin, there's no level, actual level, but Prime Assassin, even though it says Guildmaster. Of Assassin. Oh, Prime Assassin, then Guildmaster. Prime Assassin, although there's a power attained with the rank of Guildmaster. Character cannot be Guildmaster of more than one Assassin's Guild. There's only one Assassin Guild allowable in any one locale, large city of 25. So, this is kind of like if you want to be the Guildmaster, you gotta kill them. So, here's what we get then. Even though monks are subclass of clerics, they have D4 hit die. Yeah, that made them tissue paper. Assassin has a D6 hit die, which is actually better than the thief who had a D4. <clears throat> then other statistics. All right, we'll talk about monks first because this chart's in here. So we have move. They get faster and faster as they get higher level. Armor class. Now, there's some debate whether the actual adjustments to armor class based on decks affected monks or not. We always did it, but... It didn't help that much because you start off as basically unarmored at first level with D4 hit points and you're expected to go into melee combat. But your armor class, when you hit the top level, is negative three. Extra attacks round four, as we call them, flurry of misses. And open hand damage. How much damage? At your know, highest level, you're doing 4d10 damage with your bare hands. <clears throat> then we have an assassin chart with the base chance of assassination based on this, the levels of assassin and level of the target, which, once again, this is something... I guess that's for NPCs. I don't know why you would actually use that in actual play. Just play out the damn combat. Um, and that is it for Monks and Assassin, unless there's stuff later in the book, because we've got the next section of the book is something that is a total effing train wreck, which I am so glad finally that, that never went farther than this, I don't think. But anyway, let's see here. I've made lots of jokes. I've made lots of random ramblings. So I guess it's time to bring this episode to a close. So I would like to thank you for listening. If you have liked this episode, if you have liked blog posts, if you like an occasional video, I'm trying to do once a month on YouTube, then feel free. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Visit the blog. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. It's on most of them. Um, we are an anchor, so hey, as little as like 99 cents a month, you can support the podcast. If you want to do a little more and get some in return, go ahead, visit the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash they might be gazebos. Find us on Facebook, you're smart, you'll figure out, just search they might be gazebos. And of course, visit the blog at they might be gazebos.blog. And with that, I once again want to thank you for listening. Roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff. And have fun, people. It's a game. Have fun. Thanks for listening.